Hello and welcome back to Sea Red UK, where quite simply is Chicago Bulls Sea. This podcast is part of the Fans First Sports Network. So wherever you're listening, rate, review, subscribe, helps us out and ensures you don't miss another episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the bell, give us some thumbs up and drop some comments. I'm Matt and as usual, joined by Neil. How are we doing, Neil? I am very, very well. Very excited about tonight. I'll let you explain to everybody why. Yeah, well, we've um, just just recorded a chat with Bulls sort of media legend Casey Johnson. Um, we'll we'll get into that chat in a couple of minutes. Um, got another bit of Bulls news to cover before that. Or things we want to get off our chest, should we say before? That. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll get straight into it. Obviously, Bulls latest Bulls news, not a lot. It's that awkward time of the season. Um, but tomorrow, FIBA World Cup starts, and obviously we've got Nikola Vucevic playing for Montenegro against Mexico tomorrow morning, or tomorrow morning for us anyway. Um, and then on Saturday, Kylik Jones playing for South Sudan against—I was just told, oh, Puerto Rico, wasn't it? That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, that is on Saturday morning for us here in the UK. Obviously, it's been held in Philippines, China, and somewhere else that way on. Hence the the time time differences, time zones, which we're pretty familiar with here in the UK. <laughs> um, yeah, Bulls have just put out the sort of good luck messages on Twitter. I don't know if anyone's seen them. Don't know if you've seen them yourself, Neil. Um, yeah. But yeah, apart from that, the uh, big talking point at the minute on social media: Lonzo Ball and Stephen A. Smith. Uh, we did mention it on our last pod, uh, Tuesday, that it, that's when it kind of started, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as soon as we finished recording, that video as well went up, didn't it? And it I messaged you straight away. away. <laughs> I was just like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, Zoe put his video up, well, getting up and down out of his chair. I'll be honest, didn't look comfortable. It was a little bit wobbly, but, you know, yeah. yeah had major a major surgery on his knee um so we'll forgive him for that a lot of energy in that clip from from Zo. yes and then we get the you know hit back at him from Stephen A Smith completely moved the the goalpost didn't he from what he'd actually said in the first place you know his initial statement was from my sources I've heard he's in pain going from sitting to standing. Zoe puts that video out where he goes from sitting to standing four times on his injured knee mm. and then runs off saying he's he's coming back and blah, blah, blah. And then Stephen A. Smith comes back and says, that's great, you sat poolside, blah, 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 you can get up and down. Doesn't mean you're healthy. And then turns it on himself saying now he'd had an operation, but it doesn't mean he can run up and down an NBA court and blah, blah, blah. Very shouty as well, as uh, standard from Stephen A. Smith, in it. <laughs> um, I think because he's been called out, he decides to shout to get his point across, but just makes himself look stupid. Mm-hmm. I won't go into it too much because uh, we haven't really got time for it, but I'll let you have your quick, quick say. Yeah, I mean, there's not too much to say about it, really. I, it was a bit of entertainment. It was a bit fun. Um 
I, I like the fact that Zoe hit back at him and kind of said, well, look, get your facts straight. Don't go putting stuff out there until you know the facts. Coke, get it from source and, and all this. And he did manage to stand up and down and there was a lot of energy behind it and everything. But my only fear is as soon as he was off camera, was he grabbing the knee, kind of going, oh, geez, I'm glad I got through that. But, you know, I don't know. Um, it put a lot of hope out there now again for Bulls fans. Um, we know he's not coming back this season. Uh, there's no need for people to get too carried away with it. And Zoe has said as much himself. But um, it does, I suppose, give us hope that maybe we've not lost Lonzo Ball from the Bulls roster entirely um, following this season and going into the next season. So we'll see how it pans out. Um, I really hope for his sake, mentally, physically, that he's doing good. Um, like we've talked about before, my concern is is how that's going to affect him, this injury, if he does have to stop playing the sport that he loves. But um, look, he's confident in himself, so we go with what he says, right? And uh, no comment on Stephen A. Smith? I'm not even going to get into Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith, like you say, he just likes to shout around a lot, an awful lot, get a little bit animated, and then move on to the next person he wants to attack. Personally, I, I think it's um, it's a bit of a low blow to to go at someone who is already suffering enough and that's all i'll say on it yeah so on that note we'll get into the uh the main part of the episode i guess and mm. uh as i mentioned at the start we are a part of the fans first sports network and we've got some exciting news from them yes we do and they have released a competition and the prize is pretty sensational if you ask me um, they are giving away uh, four free tickets to a, an NFL game. So I have a bit of an ad read here. I'll read it out so everybody can get all the details. Um, are you a fan of an NFL team? Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game? Well, you could be in luck. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets, four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice, up to $5,000. The rules to enter are very simple. Go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. That's it. Once you've done that, you've been officially registered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. What are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. The contest ends on September 4th. And you can see the details rolling along the bottom there if you need to take them down. But what a sensational offer. What a sensational prize. Um, Get involved. Very simple, not difficult. Log in, fill out your details. Hello and a very big welcome to Casey Johnson, Chicago Bulls insider, Bulls talk host and writer to NBC Sports Chicago. Thank you so much for honouring us with uh, your time. We know you're a very busy man and you're very welcome to us with uh, at C Red UK. Casey Johnson. Well, thanks for having me on. And I'm not that busy because it's August. This is the dead period for the NBA. So I'm trying I'm trying to work as little as possible, but it's not working. There's always seems to be things coming up. So but happy, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no, yeah. Thanks for having me. You know, obviously we appreciate it massively the time you're giving us. Um, as you just said, it's it's the off season. It's the worst part of the off season as well, isn't it? This kind of filtered down and getting ready to ramp back up so there's not not that much going on but um as we said in the pre-chat i kind of like to know about the person whereas neil's going to ask about the team sort of thing obviously you've been covering bulls since uh 95 96 uh, bad bad time to start was it <laughs> yeah pretty good time to start 
you know, obviously you covered the probably the greatest NBA team ever in that straight away, didn't you? Um, so in your time from then till now, which has been your favourite era of Bulls to cover? That's a great question. I would say, you know, cliche alert. I mean, it really, every season really is kind of interesting in its own way. I mean, obviously some are more interesting than others, but I mean, I, I always look at my job as really the same win or lose good team, bad team. Your job is to tell stories and to develop relationships with the people that you cover. So that's why the, the job's pretty consistent. And again, obviously there's times where there's more going on or more interesting than another. But I mean, obviously I was very fortunate to cover that second three-peat early in my career, but I found those, you know, teams shortly after the, the dynasty ended to be very entertaining. I mean, I covered Ron Artest as a rookie. He was crazy, but in a, in a good way. I mean, I say that good naturedly. I, I have a good relation with Ron or whatever he's calling himself by these days. Um, so you know, I, I like I say, I I, my, I always feel like my my job is the same. Obviously, that being around that second three-peat early in my career was a huge thrill, and I was fortunate enough to to recognize that um, going in. You know, that I was getting an incredible opportunity to cover sports history, and I had many moments where I would objectively pull myself out and make sure I was savoring that moment because you know I I knew I was witnessing one of the greatest teams and arguably one of the greatest athletes uh, in sports history. So very, very fortunate to have that early in my career and, and I've really uh, appreciated the opportunity to cover one team uh, for as long as I have, because I feel, um, you know, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. So I've been, I'm very, I've been very fortunate in that regard. Yeah. Uh, obviously you said then covered one of the, well, probably the greatest athlete ever in terms of players who's been your favorite to cover in all of that time? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, I have a lot. I mean, the bulls actually have been filled with a lot of people with great character, great personalities, but I, I have typically leaned on this stock answer. I mean, Joaquin Noah, if, if someone said I had to pick one, Joaquin Noah would probably be my favorite. And that's not to diminish any of the other ones. Cause I've got great relationships with, a lot of ex-Bulls. Um, you know, I still talk to Jamal Crawford. I, you know, I was close with Kirk Heinrich. I just saw Eddie Curry over the weekend at Bulls. I mean, like the list goes on and on. And, you know, the current team is great to deal with. I have good working relationships with Zach and, and Damar and Vooch and those guys. Um, but Joaquin, um, you know, was just special because he was such an incredible mix of worldliness, the way he was raised by, you know, um, biracial and intercontinental parents. He traveled the world. Um, you know, he was worldly. He was funny. He was honest. He was passionate. He was accessible. He was a beat writer's dream. Um, and, you know, I, I feel fortunate that I still run into him. He's actually having an event this in Chicago this, this weekend that I'm going to try to get to. Um, so um, he, he, he was certainly – um, a pleasure to cover. Yeah, Joe Kim is definitely a big favourite over here in uh, in this part of the world. He, you know, he was great player, great stuff to talk to the media. There was always great quotes and anecdotes to take out of anything he said. And we actually got to meet him when when he played in Paris there um, uh, last season against the Pistons. We were over there and. 
we got to meet him briefly, which was nice. Yeah, I was there too. You should have said hello then. We saw you from a distance sitting down in the in the media area down by the side of the court, but we were up in the nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I would ask you the worst player that you've had to cover, but I don't want to put you in a position where you have to name names, but I assume there's been a few where it's been awkward to deal with. Yeah, and that's just part of the business. You've got to learn to navigate those moments. And really, even um, I've told this story probably before. I, I one time had a falling out with, with Joaquin himself, and that really uh, was uh, troublesome because of the, that, the how much I valued our working relationship. He got upset with something that I wrote at one point and, and wouldn't talk to me uh, for about a month other than in group settings. He would answer my questions in group settings, but not any – one-on-one -on -one conversation and he made it clear to me that he was not going to talk to me and it finally blew over. So that just comes with the territory and you've got to learn to navigate those situations and, and have thick skin and just know that you're not going to get along with everybody. Um, and I always just try to find the common ground to, to best tell the stories that you need to be able to tell. Yeah. Okay, I, mean, so go on question I was going to say is we listened to the, the latest Bulls talk as well where you discussed um, the players having their own podcasts and stuff like that and how social media has changed. Has, has that had a big effect on how you how you do your work then or do you just leave that to the guys that sort of more generational, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's just one more. I mean, the business has changed obviously quite a bit um, because I've been in it so long. So, that is a new element to it. Uh, you know, social media in general has added a new element where you kind of need to be aware of more things all the time. I mean, when I first started, obviously newspapers were the main avenue and main outlet. And you basically had your days free until you went to the game at night and then wrote about the game, you know, you and now your your days aren't free because somebody could tweet something or somebody could say something on a podcast and there's always information and coming out so you're 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 kind of on top of things more and you're kind of on call more and you're more on the clock more um and the the player empowerment aspect is just one element to that um but i i got no problem with that i mean you've got to evolve with the changes in your media business or you're not gonna have a job and like i always say i mean like the players are the talent so they can do whatever they want i mean without without them you know, none of us have jobs, so um, they can do whatever they want. And I just always try to, you know, develop my own relationships as best as I can with, with the players that I cover. Yeah, well, a case in point is you just put that tweet out just before joining us about uh, Benny um, have journalism. We, we saw that just as you, just before you joined us. So. Yeah, I didn't think I'd be chasing a uh, Benny the Bull story on uh, August, whatever it is, in 2023, but here, here I am, man. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously Benny Benny almost kind of gets as much attention as the players do. I mean, he, he's revered so much across all of Bulls Nation. Um, it, it's almost come as a bit of a shock, I think, to a lot of people today. Yeah, he's in the Mascot Hall of Fame, so there you go, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, kind of following on there from what Matt was saying, just to bring it up to a bit more recency, um, you know, same as Matt, I won't put you on the spot to ask you who's uh, particularly troublesome to try and interview, but... Who do you really enjoy speaking with in the current roster, um, say post-game or, or uh, in the media circle? Well, I mean, this is going to sound um, like 
cliche, but again, but it, I will say this is really, really a unique and special team. I mean, there's really not a difficult person to deal with. You know, some are obviously better media uh, talkers than, than others. Um, but, you know, I always tell writers from other teams and other outlets, like we have some of the most low maintenance stars in the league. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, I think, has said no one time in two years. And it was not even like a angry no. It was just like he had an injury and he was going to go through treatment and not be able to be available for an hour. And we like the, the PR staff asked if we wanted to wait for him. And we're like, nah, it's good. So, I mean, he's, he's always available. Uh, as I mentioned before, I have a good relationship with, with Zach. I, I've covered obviously his whole career here. Um, so he's, he's been great to deal with. And then Vooch is just like an incredibly nice guy. So it's rare when you're that lucky to have the main kind of players that you're focusing on that uh, accessible. I mean, a lot of stars from other teams, you know, don't talk as much as the stars on the Bulls. So we're very fortunate. You can go get those guys really anytime you need them. And then all the role players, you know, Caruso's great. Um, Kobe is hilarious, man. I've really enjoyed kind of getting to know Kobe better. Uh, he's really kind of coming out of his shell and developing his voice in the locker room. So he's been he's been fun. So it's it's a it's a really it's a really good team to cover. Obviously, I don't know Javon Carter and Tory Craig very well yet. I've only talked to both of them one time, um, but I look forward to covering those guys. And um, and then Billy, you know, Billy is a great spokesperson for the organization because. He's also always available whenever you need him, really respects what we do and, and gets what we do for a living. And, um, you know, he can be a little long-winded at times, but I'd rather have that than, than the short answers. So uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a good team to cover for sure. Yeah, just going back to what you said about Kobe White then, do you think that's sort of linked with the way that he improved last season? The fact he's feeling a bit more... I guess, settled himself and stuff like that. I think that's part of it. I mean, it's a lot of things. I mean, you, you know, he came into the league so young and obviously under some really difficult circumstances with his father passing away when he was, you know, very young. And, you know, he's just, he's, he's grown up. I mean, he came in as a 19 year old, he's 23 now. And um, I do think the organization showing the belief that they, and the trust and the confidence that they showed in him, you know, not only verbally, but then obviously financially, help but I but that that change in that that more outgoing personality happened over last season so it was before he got the contract and I just think it's a player that's you know maturing and developing into who he's going to be I mean that is the I would not want to be an executive in this day and age because you know these kids come out so young now and they obviously develop and mature at different you know stages and paces and you know, you, you don't want to give up on a Patrick Williams and then see what, you know, maybe he becomes like the new Larry Markkinen. I mean, you know, I mean, Larry's now in the perfect situation and is arguably, you know, one of top 15, top 20 player in the, in the league and, and um, all NBA. So um, it's really hard to project when the change is going to happen or when the growth is going to happen. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think Kobe's, you know, poised to have a really, really big year for the Bulls this year. He's got that security, and he really grew as a basketball player last season. Yeah, that's that's something that we've said a few times, like when we've done our pods in the past, is they're developing as as people 
not just as players. Exactly. When they come in at 18, 19, you know, you think back what you was like at that age to what you was at 23, 24, you've gone through a hell of a lot in that five, six years. So, you know, yes, they've got to try and develop as a player, but at the same time, we're trying to develop them as, as people. And and imagine it's quite a daunting thing to, to do is come into the NBA and have all this pressure on you. And, you know, so I think a lot of Bulls fans, well, basketball fans, NBA fans in, in general seem to forget that as well. Yeah, and they're doing it as you know, to your point, on a public stage in the era of social media, where there's cameras everywhere, and you know, cell phones and video cameras, and it's just, man, it's you know, it's it's a lot. So, um, you know, and you're doing it on a public stage every night. Now, look, they make a very good wage, so you know, no one's crying for them, and they're playing a game that they love. So, uh, but I, but it is it is a lot, and you know, not everyone's going to develop to the potential that they you know, the organization sees in them and that, that's when you don't know if you're waiting for the right choice or right development or not i mean you got to see how it plays out but um I, I think kobe's really poised to have a big year for sure yeah yeah that, yeah. that might tie into a question i've got at the end as well but i'll leave that till later <laughs> okay so again bringing it back to to kind of what's going on at the moment um the schedule just recently dropped there. Are there any particular matchups that you as a, as a writer and as someone who's covering the balls um, are particularly excited about? And are there any that particularly concern you? Well, I, I don't really get excited or concerned because I'm not on the team. You know, my job is just, I mean, but do some games st- stand out to me? I, I, obviously, um, one that comes to mind just off the top of my head, I got no notes in front of me, but that I wrote about is there's a, uh, early season uh, game in Denver that is the second game of a back-to-back. And that is a, beyond the fact that that's a, obviously a great team as a defending NBA champions, but that's a really tough place to play because you're at altitude. And that's usually part of a road trip. And so to play in Chicago one night at home and then get on a plane that, that night after the game and fly to Denver, get acclimated to the altitude, and play again as a second of a back-to-back, that to me is going to tell a lot about this team early in the season because I believe that's November 4th or November 5th that they play the Nuggets. And, um, you know, if you are you going to be a mentally tough team? Are you going to be a deep team? Are you going to be an excuse-making team? You're going to see it that night because, like I said, that's a really tough place to play regardless of if they were a good opponent. And now they're obviously the premier opponent as the defending NBA champion. So that's one game that, that really stands out to me. The Lakers game in December, uh, the home game, is also to me a big game because it is the first of another important back-to-back where Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs come in town the next night. Uh, I believe that's December 21st and 22nd or December 20th and 21st. Again, I don't have the schedule in front of me. And it also starts off a season-high six-game homestand. So, um, you know, that's if you're home for the holidays, you got to take advantage of that. You got, I don't care what the opponent is, you've got to go four and two, five and one, six and oh on that homestand because that's an opportunity for you to really, you know, take advantage of being home around the holidays and having no travel. Um, so those are two games off the top of my head that come to mind. Another probably would be that that's a really weird scheduling quirk with the, um, three games of the last six are against the Knicks. And, you know, that's obviously a team in the East that 
you might be fighting for playoff positioning with and obviously have a young star in, in Jalen Brunson, who's a hometown product here. So, and you're going up against obviously your old friend in Tom Thibodeau. So uh, that, that's a, that's a rarity to see three games against uh, one opponent in, in a six game stretch. So those are probably ones come off the top of my head. And then also I just thought of another one, the, the two, the, the season series against the heat are played in two, two chunks, a back mm-hmm. a two, two straight games at home in November and two straight road games in December where you're in Miami over three days. So um those are those are ones that kind of stand out to me. Yeah, um, actually, you've touched on something else I wanted to talk about was um, with this slight shift in format this season of these back-to-back kind of almost like mini-series games where it might not be back-to-back, you know, say night to into the next night, but over the course of maybe three or four days, you're playing the same team um, back-to-back, whether it's away or at home. And, I mean, obviously that takes some of the travelling out of it for the players and for the teams, but... What's your thoughts on on that shift? Do you think it's a good thing or do you think it's maybe a bad thing? I love it. And I believe I, I wrote in our in our story when the schedule came out on our on our website um, <clears throat> that the league started this practice a few seasons ago. But I think this is the most that it has been implemented for the Bulls in one season. They had a time last season when the Knicks came in town in December. Um, and played two straight games. And I remember that was significant because Derrick Rose had just dropped out of the rotation for the Knicks. And he was in a really reflective mood about, you know, his basketball career and was, you know, giving us great stuff as media members. So that kind of sticks in my brain. So um, I love that the league started this. And I think it's fantastic that um, it's happening more this season for the Bulls because it adds like a little kind of different element, obviously, because, you're seeing the same opponent twice in a row. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a not playoff intensity, but certainly a little gamesmanship and uh, adjustments made by coaching staffs. As you mentioned, it limits the travel, so it's more direct competition. It's not, you know, a schedule game where a team might be flying in and tired from doing something else. So it's just straight-up competition. And, you know, it adds some intrigue uh, from our angle because you got the same people in town you know, over a three-day period or whatever, so we can talk to some of the same people and develop stories and things like that. So I love it on many, many levels, and I think it's cool the Bulls have so many this season. And have you spoken to any of the players? How do they feel about it, you know? They like it, too, for that reason that I was talking to before. Again, it's not playoff intensity, but it's just a little bit – they recognize it's something different. And like Mm -hmm. I said, there are adjustments made from one game to the next, even though you're seeing the same opponent – you're not using the same game plan. You might change your pick and roll coverage or, you know, your play calls offensively or what have you. So there's some there's some strategic elements to it that I know that the players like quite a bit. So that kind of adds into another question then is, like you said, you could potentially have three, four days now in Miami. Is, there, is that one of your favourite places to go in? And it might be for the players. Um you know, is, is there another city that you really enjoy going and another team that you enjoy sort of covering at the same time? Did you, did you say Miami with, with the question? Well, obviously that was the example, but, you know, would you prefer it to be somewhere else maybe? Like, like oh, September I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah, no, as a writer, you do like 
going to one city and being able to unpack, you know, because so much of NBA travel, you're just flying in, covering a game and flying out. So yes, this, this time when we go to Miami for three days, is nice. I don't love Miami personally. I, it's, it's, it's fine, but I, I'm actually not a big fan of hot weather. I like cooler weather. So I like some of the more like the, you know, East coast cities that are usually cooler. I love mountains. So I like going to Utah, things like that. I, I, I love the Bay area. So I love going to when the bulls go to golden state. Um, I've been going to all these cities for 25 years. So, you know, uh, a lot of them are kind of, you're just really going for work now. You're not doing as much fun stuff anymore. Um, but there are still certain cities that you get kind of excited about going to Boston, New York, uh, San Francisco. Again, I love nature. So I like going to Denver, Salt Lake City, those kind of places. Uh, I miss Seattle. Every NBA writer will tell you that he misses Seattle. That's a great city. Um, but yeah, it's nice when you're able to unpack, you know, covering the playoffs is totally different than the regular season because you go to a city and you could actually stay in one place uh, as, as a, as a writer. I mean, a lot of times, like I said, you're just going in, throwing your bags in the hotel room, going to the arena, covering the game, getting home at midnight, waking up at five and flying to the next city or back home. So uh, it's not real glamorous travel uh, for the most part, but it is nice when you can go to a city and kind of exhale a little bit. That seems to have frozen. Um, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been to quite a few uh, different cities in, in America and everyone has their own different feel and their own different flavors. So um, I totally get that. And I can also understand yeah. how you might have one or two that you prefer over others as well. Yeah, yeah. is there another a player on another team that you enjoy covering as well? Um, if, you, if you get to interview them off for, for whatever reason? Yeah, I mean, the cool thing is, obviously, is the league is filled with change, right? So players that you covered as beat writers in, invariably go to other teams. You know, I mentioned Lowry Marketing before. You know, I was his first writer that he had because when he came here, he was new to America. Well, he'd been in Arizona, but, you know, new to the NBA and a little bit more impressionable. So I have a really good relationship with Lowry. And, you know, the whole league's filled with that. I mentioned Jalen Brunson earlier. I've known Jalen Brunson since he was – this tall because his dad was a player for the Bulls and then an assistant coach for the Bulls. It's amazing that I've been able to watch him grow up and become the, the player he's become. So I, I look forward to seeing him. And then, you know, like anybody else, I'm a basketball fan. I'm not a fan of teams or players um, because my job is to be objective, but I love, I love watching greatness. So how can you not enjoy when the Bulls play the Lakers and you get to see LeBron James up close or the Bulls play the Warriors and you get to see Steph Curry up close or the Bulls uh, play the Bucks and you get to see Giannis up close. I mean, it's just amazing stuff. I mean, again, our job is different because we're not fans, but I played division three college basketball. I've long loved the sport and I feel lucky that I'm around the best basketball there is in the world and getting to see these players up close it's it's a really nice byproduct of the job yeah yeah uh, speaking of basketball around the world obviously paying much attention to that obviously we've got vooch and garlic jones down there um obviously you won't be covering it as such but will you pay attention to it 
Yeah, I covered the 2014 World Cup when it was in Spain because Derek was coming. Derek Rose was coming back from the meniscus injury, not the ACL tear, but the meniscus injury. So that was the summer of 2014, and he had missed most all of that season. He played those first 10 games. And so I was working for the Chicago Tribune at the time, and they sent me over to Spain um, because Tom Thibodeau was the assistant coach, and Derek was just coming back. And it was actually pretty lucky because that was the summer the Bulls tried to get Carmelo Anthony but ended up um, getting Powell Gasol instead. And Powell was in that tournament, so I was able to do a story on Powell while I was over there. So I love watching those events. You know, I've been paying closer attention to – uh, the U.S. team, as I mentioned before, I've known Jalen Brunson for a long time, so I've been watching him pretty closely. It's been great to see Anthony Edwards kind of emerge as, as a star. But, yeah, I mean, the, it's well documented how great the, the sport is and the game is everywhere in the world now. And, you know, even the scene in London, I covered the 2012 London Olympics, and, um, you know, I saw Lou Aldang's pride in representing, you know, the, the country um, that – you know, gave him and his family political asylum from the Sudan. Um, and so, you know, I've seen kind of the inroads that that um, that that country and that that league has made. I, you know, think Nurse has those ties to the London Lions. And uh, so it's 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 fun to follow the sport on all levels. I, I, I do follow it mostly at the NBA level, but it is cool when the when the basketball is on the world stage as well. Um, I know a lot of people will have already heard your takes on the moves during the off-season um, if they listen to Bulls Talk. But for any of our listeners that may not have, could you kind of give a quick um, summary of your take on the off-season and the moves that the Bulls made? Well, I would just say, I mean, you can look at them from a glass-half-full perspective or a glass-half-empty perspective. If you're looking at them from a glass-half-full perspective, they're fantastic players because they address a lot of the needs the Bulls have. They're they're very tough, competitive, hard-nosed role players who are willing to sacrifice individual statistics for greater team success. And they do it while shooting well from beyond the three-point arc and defending. So in that sense, both Torrey Craig and Javon Carter are wonderful additions. Now, if you want to go from a pessimistic angle, you could say they're the type of players that make title contending teams better? How much do they lift the ceiling of a team that finished 10th last season and went 40 and 42? That you don't know. That's unanswerable at that point, at this point. But I just think personally, um, I think the Bulls underachieved last season. And I think they have obviously a lot of talent in the big three and then great role players like Caruso and um, Kobe White, and if you get internal growth from Kobe White and Patrick Williams, you know what you're going to get if they stay healthy from Javon Carter and, and Torrey Craig because their track record is proven in the league. So I think it's a really nice potential for mix, but we're all just guessing, right? I mean, this is why they go out and play the games, and you got to see how it comes together. But in a vacuum, those two players, I think, really, really fit the identity of what the Bulls are trying to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about it on our other pods. And I mean, I, I think they really do have the potential. Like we spoke about in our most recent pod that they've kind of used two players to almost fill the need that they have that's been left by Lonzo going down. 
And um, hopefully they'll come together and do that because, as we know, that team, when Lonzo was driving behind it, um, was a very successful uh, roster. So I, I, I can see what they're trying to do with it. And uh, I'm hopefully optimistic <laughs> that it's going to work out. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I, I, I just, I, I keep coming back to the Bulls. Finished forty and forty-two last season, and they had a positive net rating. Now it wasn't a huge positive net rating; it was like plus one point three. But like their record should have been better. They just really struggled in close games. I, think, I believe they went fifteen and twenty-three. I want to say in clutch games. You know, the previous season they'd obviously been so good in those clutch game situations. So. I think if you add tough-minded, competitive guys like you, like they've done in Craig and Carter, it can only help you know the the full potential of this group be achieved. But we'll see. We're all just we're all just guessing right now. Yeah. <laughs> do Do you see them um, using the DPE at any point? Obviously, they're not going to use it now, but towards the end of the season, if if we if we're there, should we say? Um, do they use it to get there? I'll believe it when I see it, just because obviously I've covered the team as, as long as I have, and it's I, it's pretty well documented. They've they've only paid the luxury tax one time in, in franchise history. I do think it's a nice tool to have in your toolbox. I mean, as you as you said, if they're if they're playing well and it's later in the season and an opportunity presents itself where there's a an uneven trade or uh, a, a guy gets waived and he's available on the buyout market. I, I can see them going into it, but um, this team has been pretty financially conservative. Well, I shouldn't say financially conservative because they have a high payroll. They're right up against the luxury tax, but they've been very, they've been very careful about the, the luxury tax. So um, we'll, we'll see if they use it, but uh, I, I remain skeptical. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't know if Neil's got any more before I ask you for my final question. Yeah, I've got a couple more questions to go uh, and then we'll let you get away. Um, there's been a bit of a, a buzz over the last week or so um, about the comments that you made recently about the big three of LeBron, Wade and Bosch and how close it really was um, to us getting it done only for the Luel Deng uh, situation kind of held things up a bit. Um, do you really think it was that close to becoming a reality? I do. In fact, I don't think I know. And here, but here's what I want to say because I will say I, I usually am a little bit more careful with my word choices, which is why even though I enjoy podcasting and doing the little TV work that I do now, at my heart I'm still a writer. Okay, and I'm best when I'm able to compose at a keyboard and also have an editor or edit myself. Right. So instead of saying they would have been on the balls, I should have said they could have been on the Bulls. Because here's all I will tell you. And this is – I'm not backtracking off anything because I stand behind all my reporting. I stand behind everything I said on that podcast. But what the point I want to make is who am I to, to say that I for sure know the intentions of LeBron James, right, You know, or Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade? It was such an important and nuanced decision that how can I sit here and say – Oh, if the Bulls had traded Luol Deng, it for sure would have happened. What I will tell you, and this is, I reported at the time, and I'm standing behind now, the Bulls believe, and they were given every indication, that if they were able to figure out a way to make the salary cap work for all three players, 
they were very much in the running because um, they were pretty sure they had two of them in Wade and Bosch. The wild card was James, and they needed to clear the salary cap space to even have that be considered. And they tried. So the fact that they first traded – you have to remember, they first started that summer by – Trading Kirk Heinrich for nothing. They traded Kirk Heinrich to the Wizards for nothing except a international player that would never see the line of day, the draft rights to him, and a future second round pick. So they went all in on this. And they were, they were, they were, if they were able to offload then, um, they would have, you know, also tried that to go really all in on this. Um, but again, it was such a powerful and nuanced decision. I, I can't sit here and say a thousand percent for sure what happened. I can just tell you unequivocally the Bulls believe that they had a real, real chance at signing those three guys, which is why they were even considering tra- trading Luol Deng. They loved Luol Deng. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he ended up being a two time All Star after that time for them. So that shows you how much they believe they were in the game, that they were even considering trading Luol Deng. Yeah. I imagine what a what a team that would have been if we had uh, managed to get it done, but wasn't to be. Um, so again, you got to speak to Mark Eversley, you know, at, at Bulls Fest. You mentioned you were at Bulls Fest there at the weekend. Um, he seems to be very upbeat about the future of the franchise and and what they have in place right now. Um, he had a few things to say about Demar, and it looks like you know Demar is very much set as part of this team going forward. Um, and how happy they are with the fit and how he brings up the young guys. And that P. Will, this is kind of his time now to make that move, um, make make himself known as the future of this team. And um, What were your takeaways from it? Um, am I pretty accurate in what I'm saying? Yeah, and I would say the biggest one that stood out to me was the Patrick Williams one, which he just kind of brought up at the end because, you know, I, I would say still getting to know this new regime – um, they're pretty careful and guarded with what they say in the media, um, you know, and uh, for him to kind of get that pointed with Patrick Williams and, and talk specifically about how important of a year this year and how they need to see more, you know, that, that to me was pretty telling. Um, Cause I think we all agree. We see the potential in this guy. He's physically so gifted, so athletic, got the perfect NBA body, especially in modern NBA, you know, with the, positional size and the athleticism and the versatility to guard multiple positions. So you just want to see that impact felt on a more regular basis. And for Mark to say that on the record, I thought it was pretty telling. So your other points, I think were spot on. I mean, it's clear they love DeMar. That's no surprise. I mean, he's been a two-time all-star since they, they signed him, you know, and DeMar's extension eligible this off season. So I expect there to be some talks about that, you know, him signing an extension at some point. Um, but to me, the, the biggest takeaway was them being so public with their their demands and their desires for Patrick Williams to reach his potential. Definitely. I'm, I'm a big P-Will fan. Um, Matt kind of sits on the fence a little bit, but uh, I've, got, I've got a lot of hope for his future. Yeah, that, that could come into, into thinking my, my next question. Uh, just to finish it off, as we get closer to the season, we like to put out some sort of prediction things on onto Twitter. 
uh, get people's opinions. Um, and I know you don't particularly like giving predictions. You was it you say this? They're just opinions, basically. Um, but I will ask the ones on the team. We like to do the ones for players. And the first one is, who do you think will be Bulls MVP? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, I'd probably go with Zach. I mean, it's got to be probably Zach or Demar, right? Just because they're your biggest scorers. Yeah. And um, I feel like Zach, uh, you know, people forget, because this is this is pretty recent, but people forget, you know, Zach's reputation had kind of started to change that year he won the gold medal with the U.S. Olympic team in Tokyo. And then he came into that next season and he had that incredible first half of the season where he wasn't just playing well at the offensive end. He had really, to me, changed as a defender too. And I think that kind of came off that momentum of that Olympic berth where he was definitely more of a role player and kind of more of looked upon for to make an impact at both ends. And then he had that knee injury, you know, right around the time Lonzo did. And you know, to his credit, he played through that knee injury in a contract year um, and then got the scope, you know, last summer and wasn't able to do anything last summer. So obviously that impacted the start of his 22-23 season. And then the way he finished that 22-23 season, you were kind of reminded, yeah, this guy can really be special at both ends. So with a whole offseason where he's not rehabbing, where he's working on his game, working on his craft, I kind of think you're going to see that Zach you saw in the first half of 21-22 where he was becoming more of a two-way player and becoming more of an impactful winning player. So I, I got Zach as my MVP. Right. And the next one, uh, Bulls most improved. Ooh, another good one. It's got to be between Kobe or, or P. Will. Um, I'm going to go with P. Will because uh, – you know, I think this is, I think like, a, you know, the, the pressure is there on, from management and the coaching staff. And, you know, he's going into a, he's going to be eligible for extension on his rookie deal as well. And I think he saw a lot of growth from Kobe last year. I think he is going to have a good year, but I think you're going to see a Patrick Williams take a bigger jump this year. Yeah. And the last one, now this sort of confuses a few people by the meaning of it, but it's the, the Bulls unsung hero. So basically, the player that kind of goes under the radar, but could potentially be the the most valuable, I guess. To me, it's easy. I mean, it might be one of the new guys because that fits those guys too. But I got to go with Caruso. I mean, because you know he's never always going to get the headlines, but then you look up at the end of the year and he's first team all defense. I mean, you know, he just does all the dirty work and is just such an elite defender. So, um, you know, obviously he got some recognition. So maybe he doesn't totally fit the classic definition of unsung hero, but it's not like you're going to Caruso's locker after every game to ask him about how he fought over that screen to contest that shot. I mean, he can impact the game going one for eight because of just how on point he is defensively. So um, I know he got all defensive recognition, but he's still pretty unsung. So I'll go with Caruso. Yeah. Well, we've got the receipts now. So <laughs> When we put it out at the end of the season, we've we've got your your predictions now. Well, you can have me on again. This doesn't have to be a one-time thing. You can check me check me to see how I did. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, uh, like I said at the start, we're conscious of your time. So, I mean, I've got nothing else. I don't know if Neil's got anything else. No, no. I just really appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot.
Yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, it's something we've spoke about for a while, and you mentioned Paris at the start, and we did actually say it'd be pretty pretty cool to sort of meet you out there. But you know, obviously, it was a bit of a, a whirlwind tour for us, in fact, because we sort of landed, watched the game, and went again. So yeah, we're always running around too. I mean, those damn media deadlines, man. We gotta yeah. <laughs> we always are doing something. So glad we got a chance to meet now. And like I said, we can do this again sometime. Just stay in touch. Awesome, yeah. thank you. But yeah, completely appreciate it. Um, I guess everyone knows where they can find you, but if you want to give you your Twitter handles and everything. Well, I believe it's called X now. but <laughs> Yeah, it's very hard to adjust to that, though. We can't let it go. <laughs> I'm just messing around. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at KCJ Hoop, no S, and uh, you can check out my work at NBCSportsChicago.com and uh, also the Bulls Talk podcast. And uh if you're ever in the States, uh, we're on uh, NBC Sports Chicago on TV. We got the rights to the game. So check us out. Will Purdue and Kendall Gill do a great job with Jason Goff. So we're, we're a lot of, we have a lot of fun covering the team. Yeah, you'll have to put in a good word with them now so we can get them on as well. All right, I will. <laughs> Listen, Casey, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We'll let you get off to collect your kids and uh, hopefully talk to you again soon. Thanks again, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Thanks. As announced the other day, we have a partnership with USA Sports. USA Sports is a UK-based sports merchandise retailer. They cover the NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB and Formula One. From hats to hoodies, there's something for everyone. From Chicago Bulls to Red Bull and everything in between. So check them out on all the socials and at usasports.co.uk. And for 15% off at checkout, enter the code CREDUK. Wow. What's the, I can't believe we got to speak to Casey Johnson. Um, what a nice guy. So good of him to give us some of his time, which I know is very precious. But um, that was great. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were both pretty nervous before. <laughs> pretty nervous through it, I think, as well. Um, yeah. I mean, what a guy. Um, you know, and I don't want to blow our own trumpets too much, but from setting up a Facebook group, just over two years ago to having a chat with someone like Casey Johnson just yeah, you know, blows my mind. Um, but yeah, what a guy. And we've got his receipts on his predictions. Yes, we do. They'll come back on. So yeah, see Red UK's new Bulls insider, Casey Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, it was, it was good. Good chat. So, and on that note, Hope you all enjoyed it um, as much as we did. Um, probably not as nervous as we were. And we will be back again next week. And we've got a few things planned for it. So a little bit of interaction maybe from, from other people as well. And until then, I've been Matt. You can find me on Twitter at MattCRedUK. And you can find us on all the socials at CRedUK. And you can find me on Twitter slash X at NeilCRedUK. On behalf of us both and the Fans First Sports Network, thanks once again to everyone for tuning in. Whether you're watching or listening, please subscribe, rate, review, and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. From Matt and myself, remember, it's a Chicago Bulls thing wherever you are in the world. Until next time, see red people. Percolator. It's time for the percolator. Percolator.